0: a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. And I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. I'm Lady Boy Gigi. We've been doing a series on sexual issues, and tonight is on uneven desire between couples when one person in the relationship wants more sex than the other.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think this is a thing that lots of couples go through. Like, uh, I think pretty much every couple has some, they might both want sex the same amount, but they might want sex at different times. It's a very, very common issue.
0: And there's many causes of unequal desire. I think the biggest one, we're all wired a little different. We're all built a little different. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's what Makes relationships exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. Discovering our differences. Is where, well, it's our similarities. Mm-hmm. And, but there are some causes that can be pretty problematic. Mm-hmm. If you're having emotional issues or relationship issues. Or a betrayal trust issue. Yeah, any kind of issues. Then sometimes some outside help is needed, like counseling, or mm-hmm. sometimes there could be medical reasons
1: or hormone. <laughs> yeah, hormonal, and there's all sorts of things.
0: And so, as usual, always rule out the medical first
2: because
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. that really does can save a lot of heartache, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes the medical can be kind of hidden if mm-hmm. there's problems with hormonal imbalance or oh i forget the name of it it's when your metabolism's off yeah that can throw a mm-hmm. wrench in the work so to speak <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and then of course we live in a Complicated world between work and children and things like that. Sometimes sex gets put on the back burner. Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes just life can get very complex and demanding and there's no energy left. Mm-hmm. Even though there's desire maybe, but you're just worn out. hmm <laughs> Especially if you're working a lot of hours and your work is very demanding and stressful. Stress really kills sex big time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I mean, also, sometimes there's hidden things. Like maybe you don't realize it, but you're putting a lot of energy into your friendships and into the other parts of life and you don't intend to but
0: your relationship gets put on the back burner Mm -hmm. and i would like to say that i've been in many long-term relationships and relationships take work it's Mm -hmm. not something that you can just do once and live happily ever after. That's kind of a myth. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You have to work at relationships and I think number one communication is key. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes communication can be an issue Mm -hmm. but also building trust Mm -hmm. and sometimes we get mixed signals and sometimes the signals can we think, oh, this is a signal that my partner wants to have sex tonight, when the signal may be just, I want to be intimate. Mm -hmm.
1: Which is not the same thing.
0: Yeah. Being intimate can include cuddling or back rubs or just Mm -hmm. being close. And sex is sex. (laughs) There's many forms of sex, but it doesn't have to get sexual every time you get intimate.
1: Now, Gigi, I know that you are are hypersexual, and I have a, a good feeling that the,
2: the,
1: you've had a lot of relationships where your partner didn't match your sexual desire. Like, how have you
0: handled that? Oh, most of my relationships have been that way, because I usually, especially when I was younger, I'd come three to five times a day, (laughs) minimum, (laughs) and there's been days where I had sex, masturbation, about 12, 15 times in a day, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I have very high sex drive, and it always has been pretty high. It's lowered a little as I've gotten older, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, you see me in action. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things I realized early on, that most people aren't going to match my sex drive. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things I've done. I'm polyamorous, and I'm with polyamorous partners,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which means we have open relationships. I can have sex with other people, and it's okay. In fact, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But even when there aren't other partners available, I do a lot of masturbation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, oh, (laughs) masturbation's kind of second fiddle, or it's not as good. But I can tell
1: you. (laughs) That's because they don't know how to do it
0: right. (laughs) I can tell you from my experience, I can bring myself to the edge and just go in pleasure and have some amazing orgasms Mm -hmm. with solo sex. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it was that I learned long ago to take myself on a date and do everything I would do for a partner for myself including coming home and having a good sexual Mm -hmm. experience with myself and making love to myself versus just getting my rocks off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that really helps when you kind of change your thinking patterns a little bit. I'm not saying that it's got to replace all your sexual experiences in a relationship, but it Mm -hmm. can fill some of the gaps. Yeah, and I tell you, sex toys mm-hmm. are my friend. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, the vibrators and mm-hmm. other toys, and I've got a whole collection of toys, and some of them are k- a little kinky, and some mm-hmm. are just for pure pleasure, and mm-hmm. so it's. Uh, Exploring and discovering new avenues. Mm-hmm. And I don't just focus on my cock. I focus on my whole body. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, we as we're talking about desire, there's times when I'm not quite in the mood, but my partner is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rare, but one of the things I discovered too is that desire doesn't have to precede good sex.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: you just start going through the motions and start pleasuring each other, the desire will catch up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so oftentimes it's just changing the way we think about sex.
2: Mm-hmm. We think,
0: oh, I've got to be in the mood and aroused and,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: ready for sex before I can have sex. And now mm-hmm. you can start with, very slow, intimate back mm-hmm. rub and, or body massage and mm-hmm. start awakening the kundalini, that sexual energy within ourselves. And as it awakens, the desire comes.
1: Yeah. One of the things I, I also think is important is identifying the things that are the barriers to sex. Uh, a lot of times... People get in a rut where if you live in a house together with a partner and with children and the house reminds you all of the work that you have to do and the things that you have to do and your your kids and a number of things that take away desire, it might be important to get out of the house. It might be important sometimes... Just go to a motel room or go for a drive. Do something to get out of the, the space that is taking away that desire.
0: Another thing you can do, and I saw a show a while back on mm-hmm. Netflix on couples that wanted to build a sex room. Mm-hmm. And you can build a special room for just for sex and put a lock on the door mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have kids. And make that an off-limits room to everybody except you and your partner. Mm -hmm. I know in my room, I don't have an issue with kids, so I've got a sex altar. I've got all kinds of things in my room that kind of enhance sex Mm -hmm. and sexual pleasures. I've got a a shelf right by my bed full of sex toys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're in plain view. Mm-hmm. So it's being able to create an environment and I mm-hmm. keep candles in there and incense and keep things that are will enhance a sexual mm-hmm. mood once you start exploring. And I think also lighting is important, having ambient lighting. Mm-hmm. And that can help a lot.
1: Yeah. I know, like, I'm not going to get into names or anything, but I know that there's one couple that we've worked with in Temple where one of the partners found out that they were really turned on by being watched and by being an exhibitionist. And they they came to Temple and played with their partner and... They had the best time that they had ever had with their partner, and we saw them again a year later. And that one experience that they had 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 like really fueled their sex life, and like their sex life was a lot better ever since that. So exploring fantasies together, uh, even if it's something that you're not aware, like maybe dipping your toes in some waters that are unfamiliar, just try different
0: things with your partner and see what works for you. And I would like to jump in and say that exhibitionism and voyeurism is often seen in a bad light, but that's because oftentimes it's non-consensual. Mm -hmm. But within temple, we, by entering temple, you're kind of giving consent to Mm -hmm. either watching or being an exhibitionist. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, pretty well stated in our rules that by participating, you're giving consent to be seen or to see. Mm -hmm. And so... I think it really helps to have informed consent. Oh, yeah, 100%. And that makes the voyeur-exhibitionist relationship a very special one because each side is getting something from it. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hot and so good to... Have people come in and put on their sex shows, and mm-hmm. and when I say sex show, it's oftentimes they're just teasing each other and playing with each other's mm-hmm. bodies while other people are watching. And mm-hmm. after a while, what I've noticed is some of the voyeurs either start masturbating to it or mm-hmm. or get with the partner mm-hmm. and start playing, putting on their own show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it can be pretty good. Yeah. It is a symbiotic relationship Mm -hmm. when done correctly.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it's really interesting to me because a lot of times we really do get stuck in a rut. And if you keep on bashing your head up against a wall, and then expecting something to change when you're not changing anything about what you're doing, it's an exercise in futility. Yeah.
0: And also, how we ask for sex, or mm-hmm. how we initiate sex, can be it can be either demanding or it can be an offering. Mm-hmm. And when it's demanding, that becomes unhealthy in a relationship. One Very partner so. feels like, oh, I have to fulfill my partner's Mm -hmm. needs, and over time it really eats away. And it eats away at their own desire. Oh, yeah. But when you have a a way to offer Mm -hmm. without the demand, say, hey, I'm kind of horny tonight. Would you like to Mm -hmm. enjoy having sex with me? Mm -hmm. And it's okay if they don't. Mm-hmm. I go in the other room and I masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> and do myself. Mm-hmm. Or I find some other avenue. Mm-hmm. Which is totally okay because we've communicated about this. Yeah. And, like, an- another
1: big thing is when you talk a lot about how people have different, like, learning styles when it comes to sex. The One person's visual, one person's. Auditory, one per person's tactile tacti- kinesthetic. tactile
0: kinesthetic and-, and one person may be on an <sighs> emotional wavelength mm-hmm. where they need that emotional mm-hmm. component to sex.
1: Or 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 like demisexual where they need like the mental stimulation.
0: Yeah. So we all have different turn ons and, and different avenues <coughs> of turn on. And and it's important to
1: figure out like how your partner kicks and if you and your partner have different styles of getting turned on uh, you know then if you are trying to initiate sex in the way that would feel good to you it doesn't necessarily mean that it feels good to your partner
0: Mm mm-hmm and so one of the things I do is I, because I have a my primary partners, highly auditory. Mm-hmm. And so I start by talking about sex or making sexy sounds. And that's a big turn on for her. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can listen to that stuff all day and it doesn't do nothing for me. Mm hmm. But if I want to get laid, (laughs) I start going, oh, baby, ah, describe, oh, I'm touching my nipple right now. Mm It feels so good. Wouldn't you want to come and explore that with me? Let Mm -hmm. me tell you more about this. And all of a sudden, the the sex lights flash on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The Kundalini awakens.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, one of the other things that is really, really helpful, and a lot of people don't like doing it at first, but it it really does help to schedule sex. Sometimes you, as life gets busy, as you've got your job, you've got kids, you've got different things that take your time away, it might be necessary to, say, on Thursdays and Tuesdays at a given time. Like, we're going to put some time away for for intimacy. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be sex. You know, it can just be a date night. It can, and, like, hopefully it will lead to sex. But uh, pressure is one of the the biggest turnoffs. Yeah. But like having time set away for you to spend time with your partner and just be intimate is really, really important. And the more you make it a focus of your relationship, the can start happening happening spontaneously mm-hmm. after that, if you set the time aside.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that that touches on something that I'd like to kind of go into a little deeper. Relationships can have one of three types of connection. And think about each person as a circle in the relationship. And the circle, how much the circles overlap is when the part of the relationship that's you're together. Now, some couples are together all the time and are smothering each other. Mm -hmm. Some, because of work or obligations or kids, their circles barely overlap. And so they don't have much time. And then a more balanced would be when you have some me time, their time, and our time together together. That can be a healthy relationship, but still have the low, uneven desire. Mm -hmm. And usually that just takes some communication and planning and really talking a little bit more and setting some time aside, but also Mm -hmm. establishing some boundaries and saying we've covered in past shows uh, the continuum of touch. And it's like, often we misread, if if he's rubbing my shoulders, that's going to lead to sex.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, it doesn't have to. Yeah. And it's communicating and saying, just because I'm rubbing your shoulders doesn't mean I'm wanting mm-hmm. to have sex. I'm wanting to give you a good massage. I notice mm-hmm. you're tense and it helps to relax. Mm-hmm. And massage, body massage, can be very helpful because it does relieve a lot of tension. Mm
1: -hmm. And and touch is very important (laughs) couples. I mean, depending on things, you know, some people are kind of touch-averse, but for people who don't have touch-aversion, it's a very bonding thing and can can really help you connect with each other. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And also just communicating and creating signals for, oh, I want to offer sex on the table tonight. You don't have to take it, no pressure, but it's my offering. Would you enjoy sex tonight versus having signals that demand sex Mm -hmm. or demand that things lead to sex? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that by reestablishing some of these boundaries, it creates a more healthy and fun environment instead mm-hmm. of this demanding environment.
1: I, and, and I will say when, when someone feels pressured into sex, the sex you have is not going to be
0: good. Not at all. <laughs> and so it takes time to kind of work some of these things out, it takes sitting down and communicating and saying, and I know in Dr. Patty Britton's book, The Art of Sex Coaching, one of the examples she gives is a couple that has a little red sports car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when they first started their relationship, they went out in the car and would get intimate and come home and have wild, passionate sex. And so that kind of became their signal. Do you want to go for a ride in a little red sport car? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's an offering. It's not saying, oh, you have to come ride with me now. And so giving good, clear signals and non-demanding signals is an excellent way to reawaken sex into your relationship if it's kind of drifted off.
2: hmm
1: Yeah, definitely. And and also, like, it, it also takes, like, a certain amount of, like, understanding. And if you communicate the desire for more sex, if your partner is not in a place where they feel comfortable having sex, you know, maybe they're going through through stress or, you know, any number of things, it might be off the table for a little while. But if you express understanding and, like, you're patient with them but continue to communicate your desire, like when they are in a place where they can have sex, they, you know, they'll normally signal to you that they're ready again.
0: Another thing that I've done in the past that's helped me is when my partner's not really into having sex with me, Mm -hmm. I'll offer to put on a masturbation show. And it's not in the hopes that all of a sudden I'll get them turned on and they'll want to have sex with me. It's more just let's play voyeur and exhibitionist Mm -hmm. and enjoy the show. (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of really hot to put on a show for me mm-hmm. without it leading to anything else, mm-hmm. because it's I like being watched i like mm-hmm. when my partner really uh looks in and s- sees it and hears it and mm-hmm. experiences my mm-hmm. sexual experience, even though they're not in the mood at all. Mm-hmm. It's something they enjoy watching, yeah. And so that can be a good wa- mm-hmm. way to kind of work around some of the uneven desires. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, my. Look at the time. It always flies by on the show. <laughs> We're to station break. And I'd like to remind people to check out our websites, ravenslayerleather.com, ggwilber.com, and... Ladyboytemple.com. On all three websites, we offer different things. Ladyboy Temple is all about Aphrodite's Temple and what we do when we run Aphrodite's Temple. And at some point, I'd like to restart the virtual temple again because I think we got a lot of out of it. We just need more participants and interest. <laughs> So if you're interested, email me at admin at ggwilbur.com. And I put the websites and my email address in the description of each show now. So if you don't write it down, it's just go to the description of the show, and you can get the links. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to Station Break?
1: Yeah, if you go to either the ravenslayerleather.com website or ggwilber.com website we have different training videos where Mm -hmm. if you're interested in getting a more in-depth idea of how to improve your sex life we have various different training programs that can help you with that you can also visit our patreon at patreon.com forward slash ladyboyGG and support us that way. The GGWilbur.com if you're interested in getting one-on-one coaching with Gigi, that's, that's where Gigi does that. And any of those ways are good ways to really help you To get a more in-depth understanding of the work that we do. And uh, with the ggwilber.com, the way that you spell that is two Gs. So the letter G, the letter G, W-I-L-B-U-R.com.
0: And I would like to say that if you are interested in exploring sex coaching, I do give a complimentary 15-minute call to come explore if sex coaching is for you, and it's free of charge. And so back to our topic, (laughs) we're talking about uneven desire in relationships, where one partner has more sexual desires than the other, more interest in having sex, and wants more sex. And that can be a real issue for couples. I think one of the things that can really help out is, like we said earlier, communication. And communicating in ways that are supportive and and non-demanding can really help in setting up some signals and communications that let your partner know, hey, I'm in the mood tonight. Would you like to have sex? <laughs> yeah.
1: Also, like... I think with communication, one of the the big key is not making demands of your partner, but discussing your needs and your boundaries. Because it's a two-way street. Like a lot of times when there's uneven desire, one person's needs aren't feeling met, And then one person might feel like their boundaries are being pushed past. So, like, communicating your needs and your boundaries are really, really important. Because sometimes w- when there's a blockage with sex, it's the way that you're going about looking for sex that, that can be a problem. Like, sometimes you're pushing past your partner's boundaries without knowing that you're pushing past their boundaries. and if you find out what those boundaries are, there might be a different way to go about asking for sex that don't push against
0: those boundaries.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And I'd like to kind of share, there's a time when I had a relationship with a guy that was very intimate but totally non-sexual. And I'm bringing this up because... Even I didn't have desire to have sex with them, but I had the desire to be very intimate. It was a time in my life where I was having a lot of problems and I just needed someone to be close with and to be very intimate with. And we'd sleep naked together and hold each other, but it never really got sexual. Yeah, we'd get hard-ons once in a while, But they, I mean, the the cock has spontaneous (laughs) heart-ons. It's part of the cock's natural rhythm. It doesn't mean you have to act on them. But I found it was a very amazing relationship we had because I never had a brother that felt that close. And I felt kind of considered him a type of brother in a way. Not a blood brother, but a or biological brother, but a a brother. And it gave me this sense of like he was there for me and I was there mm-hmm. for him. And it was a very special bonding relationship. We would we were very close and it was very he fulfilled a lot of the emotional needs. Well, I think we fulfilled each other's emotional needs for that bonding and touch and caressing and just being intimate at that level without it ever becoming sexual. And that was very special. And I know that there's partners I've had in the past where a big part of our relationship was more of the intimacy and not as much of the sex. Mm -hmm. And that can be very special, Mm -hmm. being that close to someone. We live in a touch-deprived society, and just being able to touch each other non-sexually can be a very special experience.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like one of the things is a lot of times we, in the society that we live in, we don't have really an intimate outlet other than sex. And we tend to associate sex with intimacy. And sometimes it's the only form of intimacy that we relate to. And a lot of times when you think that the thing that you want is sex, what you are really desiring is intimacy. And if your partner is not wanting sex, maybe what you're really desiring is intimacy with your partner. And there are tons of ways to to exercise that intimacy that aren't sex. So a lot of times when you think that the thing that you're searching for is sex, it's, it's actually the intimacy
0: behind the sex. And I'd like to share that person I was talking about earlier, that we were very intimate together. We used to take showers together and wash each other's bodies. And, and that was very intimate and very connecting, bonding. When you have another person wash your entire body, and I'm including the anus and the genitals, but in a non-sexual way, that's highly intimate. I mean, it, it creates a bonding that it's hard to put into words. <laughs> so, like, one of the things about intimacy is
1: a lot of the times it is being vulnerable with another person, and um a lot of times in the society we live in, vulnerability is seen as a negative thing. It's seen as
0: a weakness, a
1: weakness, a something to avoid. but being vulnerable with your partner is so important. i I personally am a vulnerability junkie i I, I, I love all sorts of vulnerability every every form of it and i think a lot of people are missing that sense of vulnerability in their life and is a sense of surrendering to another person letting your guard down and just being human with another person
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and i think that one uh things we talked about when we're off the air, so to speak, is when someone cheats on you Mm -hmm. and the whole issue of monogamy, for some couples, monogamy is a must-have. But for some, for many couples, I think, they can start exploring some ideas around becoming non-monogamous and knowing that I love you and I but I can't have all my desires met just by you and you love me but you can't have all your desires met just by me and I think it was easy for me and my partners my, many of my partners to see because we were all bisexual mm-hmm. and we come with a certain type of plumbing and a certain type of energy male energy or Female energy, or in my case, kind of intersex Alex. energy. <laughs> and having multiple partners has been one of the things that has been so amazing for me. Mm-hmm. And I get to go out, play a little bit, and come home and say, hey, honey, I discovered something new. Let me show you. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, I will say it, they, there are times where non-monogamy comes about after an infidelity that is suboptimal. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it is preferable that before you cheat, you talk with your partner and say that monogamy might not be your bag. But I I have also met people who have become non-monogamous after an
0: incident of cheating that they get over it, but, you know, it takes time. And I'd like to clarify, cheating is when you go behind your partner's back. Mm -hmm. Non-monogamy is not cheating. Mm -hmm. It's going with permission
2: Mm -hmm.
0: of everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And even the people I've gone out with other than my primary partner and say hey i'm I'm in a primary relationship, I let them know too mm-hmm. to let them know that hey I'm polyamorous and and you're a plus one <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah and the, uh, there there's a lot of different kinds of of polyamory there's non hierarchical polyamory where like you don't really have a primary partner there's some people are solo poly where they're their own primary and every other relationship is a secondary relationship you don't necessarily have to think about it in terms of primary versus secondary relationships there's a lot of people who have Two partners that they're equally invested in, and they couldn't tell you, like, who their primary partner was because they don't really have one. So it's a very varied field.
0: And there's also polyfidelity, where there's a group of people that are exclusive to the group only. Mm-hmm. So that's an option. There's many different relationship configurations that can be explored. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. If you find yourself regularly having more sexual desire than your partner, and it doesn't seem like that's going to change, if you have sexual needs that need to be met and your partner can't meet them, it might be time to look into branching out. And Like one of the things about polyamory that I think is very important and very powerful is no one can meet all of another person's needs. And when you are able to have multiple partners... You might have one partner that you connect with in a lot of ways, but you don't connect with sexually. And you might have one partner that you connect with sexually. I know when I first started being poly, I didn't even have a second partner. But my partner, like, found another partner, and I, like, they... They really felt bad that I couldn't match them on like I was really able to be a good cheerleader for them when it came to their art but I couldn't like really I couldn't really give any good input into like how they should go about doing things or or ways that they could could go about doing things i i I didn't have any good like constructive criticism i was just a really good cheerleader but they were able to find a partner that was able to be there for them in a way that they could like give really like good input and give suggestions and things like that and it felt so good because I had wanted to do that for them for so long and I just didn't have it in me and then they were able to find a partner who could do that for them and it it made me really happy to see them finally have that in their
0: life. Mhm. One thing that for me was really important was Having channels to fulfill my need for both male energy and female energy. And it's rare you can find one person that can fulfill both those needs. (laughs) Rare, if not impossible. But also, like the bisexual candy of choice, mounds and almond joy. Sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And It's not just feeling like it's, for me, it was a very deep need to have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It's something that I've been bisexual all my life. I've always known I was attracted to both men and women, and especially feminine men and butch (laughs) women. And... It's just a whole different kind of energy when you make love with someone that has a penis versus someone that has a vulva. It's very different energy. And it's not just the sex organs. It's the energy of the person. And so finding that kind of happy medium meant for me I had to be poly. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's many relationships I passed up on because the per- other person really demanded being monogamous. And I said, well, I can't be that for you. Mm-hmm. I accepted. I said, you need to find someone else that can fulfill that need in you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I recognized there is a need for some people to be monogamous, and that's okay. But I'm not going to jump in to that boat. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you happen to be monogamous and you're still having issues, one of the things about relationships is that there's give and take. But you have to to balance those two things. You have to be as willing to give as you take and you have to be as willing to take as you give. You can't be all demands, and you also can't be a pushover. You you need, you you know, in monogamous relationships, you need, like, especially, you need to have some
0: flexibility. flexibility. And I I think that touches on another area that can help if you are in monogamous relationships. BDSM can be an option because a lot of people don't like sex mixed with their BDSM. And so you can be totally monogamous and still have outside BDSM play partners. And that can be a very fulfilling experience and fulfill some of the needs for intimacy and power dynamics and some of the other elements of a relationship mm-hmm. that sex won't.
1: Yeah, like I I know that Gigi has trained a lot of professional dominatrixes and dominants and I remember talking to one one time who had a client who was married in a monogamous relationship and they they were talking to the the person and the person was married their partner knew that they would hire a dominatrix once a month or so and they initially were a little uncomfortable with it until they saw the results of it and they were realized that their relationship was a lot better with their partner being able to have that outlet once a month.
0: Mm -hmm. And haven't done a really in-depth show on BDSM in a while, but BDSM can be a powerful tool. I mean, I like sex with my BDSM, but a lot of people don't. And either is fine. I'm not passing judgment on either side. What I am saying, though, is that you get something out of BDSM that you don't really get so much in a sexual relationship, mm-hmm. and that's that power dynamic. It's people exchanging power, people exchanging energy.
1: Like, like, like with BDSM, one of the big things is the people involved know that they're doing it. Like that happens in sex too, but it's not something you're as aware of. Like mm. with BDSM, like you're kind of forced to be aware of it.
0: Yeah. And with BDSM there's full negotiations before any placing starts. And I mean you set that's your boundaries. <laughs> you
1: you should do that with sex too. Oh but. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but a lot, oftentimes, couples don't. Mm-hmm. That can be a problem, and once we get, um, once again, we get back to communication is really key. Specific communication, mm-hmm. and that really helps.
1: Well, it's back to a thing that you talk about all the time, where people they are expected to just understand how sex works, and people start having sex without any kind of guy. Our, our listeners are listening to this podcast, so at least you're exploring, but a lot of people don't do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of y'all might be first-time listeners. This might be you're like just uh, starting to get into even thinking about this kind of stuff. A lot of times, couples don't have any kind of like especially if you're religious and didn't really have any sexual education before you got married and you like didn't have sex before you got married and all of a sudden you're married with a partner that you plan on being with for the rest of your life and neither of you'll have any experience like that's that's a big thing and so you're Kind of
0: going at it blind. Totally going at it blind. And the sex ed we get sure surely doesn't prepare newlyweds for the honeymoon. And I've heard horror stories about honeymoons that went so bad wrong because they had no idea what they were doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that can lead to sexual imbalance issues. and sexual issues and
1: sexual issues one thing if you're having if if you and your partner don't have a lot of experience outside of each other it might be really important for both of y'all to educate yourself and look into not just like what we say but there's a wide array of different people who talk on this subject. There's tons of books. Like Gigi could sit there all day and give you book recommendations. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) And also there's some really quality videos out Mm -hmm. there. The Alexander Institute provides a lot of sexual education videos where real live couples are demonstrating different techniques on how to have better sex. hmm
1: <laughs> Like, it, it, if there are people listening that are in long-term monogamous relationships that don't have a lot of experience outside of each other, that are interested in exploring these kind of things, do you have a couple of book re- recommendations? One book
0: especially if you want to learn more about sexual orientation at a deeper level, is The Bisexual Option by Fritz Klein. And he goes into not just attraction, physical attraction, but attraction on many different levels, like social attraction, attractions... And there's ways we can be attracted to somebody that doesn't lead to sex at all. You think about the fag hags <laughs> that mm-hmm. hang out. They're not there to get sex. They're there to connect with gay men mm-hmm. at a different level. And so there's a lot of complex parts of what attracts us to another person. And it's on many different levels. Mm-hmm. And Fritz Klein outlines it and gives you a good system for mapping out what your orientation truly is on many different levels. And it's not just about being bisexual. It's about being a human being Mm -hmm. and what you're attracted to. Yeah, uh,
1: but more I was wondering about Specifically for monogamous couples that don't plan on being with anyone else yeah. who
0: want to explore. Well, that's sex. why I'm recommending the bisexual option. It's for both monogamous people, non-bisexuals, because mm-hmm. it really helps explain and give you a deeper understanding of what sexual orientation is.
1: Yeah, but again, I'm I'm looking for like more a like a primer on Uh, on like like other than this podcast, the sex education for
0: couples. I think the joy of sex is a good book. It gives a a lot of. It's, it's kind of a beginner's guide, I would say. Mm-hmm. I would also look at some of the tantric books out there
2: mm-hmm. on
0: tantric sex, because that's getting into more advanced stuff, especially when you start mm-hmm. bringing in, in the spiritual elements of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't think of any titles right off the top of my head. I'll have to go mm-hmm. look them up, but... Uh-huh. But there are a whole bunch of books on mm-hmm. how to have better sex mm-hmm. and making guides and,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Tantra and the Kama Sutra is a great book to read because mm-hmm. it doesn't only just go into sexuality, it goes into how to build your character mm-hmm. and make, make yourself a better person
1: yeah and i I know that like one of our our big focuses is, is on like the spiritual aspects of sex and sexuality and I think that's a thing a lot of people lose sight of is that they think about the physical aspects and also like the emotional aspects of it as well but people don't really realize that sex is such a powerful thing and it really like changes your brain chemistry like it you, you really get into a higher consciousness when mm-hmm. you when you get deep into sex i i think a lot of people are kind of afraid to to look at it
0: face on mm-hmm. Another thing I can recommend is one of my own video trainings, Mm -hmm. and it's on raising sexual energy. And that would be for a couple where one of the partners has low sex drive but wants to raise their sexual energy. And it's not that I'm saying this is a training for someone that has low sex drive and wants to stay that way. Mm-hmm. It's for the partner that really wants to have more sex and enjoy sex at a deeper level.
1: And, and that's, a, that's a thing we haven't really, really gotten into a whole lot during this. There's a lot of times where people desire to be more sexual and mm-hmm. just I either they feel stressed out or depression can really affect that there's a number of things where people will want to be more sexual and just can't can't really find the drive and I know one of the things that we kind of work on with people is that sexual desire isn't something that just happens to us it's something we can
0: manufacture yeah, we generate sex energy. <laughs> it's not something we have or don't have. We have the potential to, but it takes doing some exercises, mm-hmm. especially exercising your sex muscles, it can go a long ways in helping to raise that sexual energy. Mm-hmm. And as you raise the sexual energy, the desire will follow.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and I I think another thing that people have issues with sometimes is like i know sometimes people have issues with the way that they are approached sexually you know one of the things we focus on in temple is raising sexual energy raising the kundalini and like slowly raising it and a lot of times especially men will just Try to, like, touch their partner's vagina or just, like, immediately go for the either primary or secondary, the sexual or, uh, organs and, mm-hmm. and erogenous sense Erogenous sounds that's the one I was thinking of. And uh, a lot of times, you get a lot further by stroking your partner's face than you do by grabbing them by the pussy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think it gets back to we assume that our partner wants what we want and and that's one the female sexual response system is very different from the male sexual response system. Men are uh, oftentimes kind of built in that and I think this is partly through evolution to be ready at a moment's notice, and it doesn't take a whole lot to fire up their sexual system. Mm-hmm. Women are a little different, and it takes a lot more attention and taking your time to fire it up. Mm-hmm. But we, you'll learn a lot more if you try the out that training video on raising sexual energy. Mm-hmm. Oh my, we're at the top of the hour already. Before we go, I would like to share just one thing. We just finished two pagan festivals where we ran Aphrodite's temple. And we had a really amazing ritual that we performed at both of them. It was on stating what sex negative elements each person participating wanted to get rid of in their life. And then afterwards, we went back around the circle and said, since there's a vacuum, let's fill it with something sex positive. What sex positive element would you like to incorporate?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, the ritual kind of took off on its own. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, people were really sharing at very deep levels about female and male sexuality and some of the burdens we're under living in a sex-negative culture. The whole concept of toxic masculinity came up, the whole concept around rape, around Mm -hmm. being objectified, a whole lot of issues came up. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, I mean, very healing ritual for a lot of people. Do you have any thoughts on the rituals?
1: Yeah, I I mean, it was really powerful. And like everyone who came there came with different stuff because we live in a a very multifaceted world and we're all dealing with the negative consequences of living in a sex-negative environment. But it was really, really powerful. And I think a lot of people got a lot out of it. mm
0: mm-hmm. People learn mm-hmm. s- some really better ways to live a sex-positive lifestyle, I think.
2: hmm
0: Well, any takeaways before we end the show? <laughs> I think that as is
1: common, it really gets back to communication like communi- like i i said earlier communicating your needs and desires and communicating your boundaries with your partner and and getting them to communicate their needs and desires and boundaries with you is really is the, the main takeaway i want people to to come away from this with because it seems like such a simple thing and it's a thing that is absent in so many relationships and it's really sad how, how hard a time people have to communicate something so basic with their
0: partners. Mm-hmm. I think for me... A big part of what I do is help people live a more sex-positive life. And communicating what your desires are is one of the first steps. Saying, hey, I want to experience this. And being explicit. I want you to suck my dick or eat my pussy like so and show them and tell them how you want it done. Or I want whatever desires you have fulfilled and being able to communicate that and and research it if you need to, to find out how to do it safely and in a good way that's going to really bring pleasure to both of you. And so I think exploring sexuality and talking about it a little bit more, opening that door to communicating of Communication about what we desire, what our fantasies are, what we, what would really get us to that higher state of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And when we can bring each other to a higher state of ecstasy, that really is the bonding that occurs in any sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like the the main glue of the relationship, so to speak. It's what bonds us so deeply. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And on that note, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy your bodies. Enjoy those pleasures of the flesh. Have a good night.
1: Good night. (laughs)
0: I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show, and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.